With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are locked and loaded for another week of Penn State football. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Nate Bauer, Sean Fitz with me. Uh, the experts covering Penn State football. We are going to dive into uh, a lot of stuff that happened this week, especially and specifically last night, Penn State football open practice, as we usually do on this show. We'll have our regular segments between the lines coming up in uh, a couple of minutes talking about things that James Franklin mentioned, diving a little bit deeper onto some of those topics, uh, revealing what's underneath when there is something to be revealed, and then just discussing those topics in general, which is more what we're doing today. And then, of course, the BWI mailbag coming up at the end of the show. If you'd like to get it on the mailbag, submit your questions here in the live chat. We'll be taking your questions, getting your thoughts about what's going on with Penn State football and uh, all the other things surrounding Penn State, which uh, uh, we've had a, a very good week so far here on the BWI live show and our special editions with some uh, breaking content, some exclusive content. We're going to talk to Nate Bauer about that in just a second, but I want to introduce the panel. Uh, Fitz, good morning. How are you doing today so far after uh, another successful Penn State Open practice? Oh, fantastic. I missed the first couple of days of this week to go fishing and got back just in time for part of practice last night and then the open thing. Um, but yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Uh, there's a lot going on right now. It's pretty great. Um, and uh, I don't really don't have much to add to that uh, in terms of like, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk football here in a second, but it's just nice to see Nate. I know it's Masters week, so he's really excited. He's, he's We've got like a sliver of his attention right now. I'm sure the range is on the TV right now, um, but uh, let's I'm go. Just glad we, I'm glad we can see you. <laughs> well, Fitz, before we get to that, I do want to know, like, how was the fishing trip? Did you what was the, the best catch this week? The best catch? Uh, I mean, caught a bunch of trout and sat on the dock by myself for about four hours with no cell service. So it was fantastic. Like, that's basically uh, leave some of the other details out. But uh, it was a, it was a good time. A lot of a lot of solitude, which to, you don't get too often these days with a six and a nine year old. So I'm happy to uh, happy to report that the, the fish is in the fridge and is ready for dinner tonight. Excellent. Uh, Nate, uh, I know uh, he just set you up. Uh, so what are you looking for in the Masters this week? What, what's what's piqued your interest in the storylines around that? Oh, I know that's the... what people are dying to know from you yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, I like uh, it's really kind of funny because I might enjoy watching professional golfers talk about playing golf more than I enjoy watching them play golf. And so uh, actually Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of the Masters week is like the best in ever it, because it's constant <laughs> interviews. They they bring in. Uh, they bring in every, not every golfer, but all of the prominent golfers and they all talk about golf and it's, it's just my living dream. It's like right up my alley. I love it. So we got to get this over with. Let's go. Let's talk about Penn state football. Okay. So we're going to ignore Charlie and not, uh, not talk about, uh, your master's picks. I got, uh, I'm going to go with Rory. I I like Rory. Uh, I know he's a front runner, but, um, 
Yeah, I like it. Play it. If you're here in the chat, like the video. Make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube as well. Always helps us out, helps the channel, helps us master the almighty algorithm. Uh, but like. Nate, we're coming right back to you because the real thing that people are uh, – talking about this week is your interview with Brandon Short here on the YouTube channel. If you have not watched the interview that he did on Monday evening, um, you're one of the few, but uh, no shame in that. Go check it out after the live show today. Get an in-depth understanding of what happened and uh, what those two talked about. Primarily, it was focused on NIL and some of the um, issues surrounding the alignment of the Board of Trustees and some of the members of it along with the university and the athletic department. So that's kind of a broad strokes thing if you haven't seen it yet. But, Nate, we're going to spoil some of these things by this conversation. Yeah. So uh, in the aftermath of that, what, what has been interesting to you in the aftermath of the conversation you had with Brandon and the reaction publicly to it? Yeah, um, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I would say it's interesting. I guess, I guess what always um, my like barometer for whether something hits or not is uh, and when I say hit, I mean like strikes a nerve. Is the the text that I get from people who don't normally text me, <laughs> right? So so people that I know who follow Penn State athletics, who follow Penn State sports, um, and and in a lot of ways the the general happenings of the university and how the university runs, uh, heard from a lot of them this week, and so it's it is something that might feel a little bit it's one of two things right it's either inside baseball and it's so deep into the weeds that no one really cares about it or it's salacious and right is this is this public yeah. conflict right C kind of coming to a head that you have people with differing opinions and I, I tend to feel that it's somewhere in the middle right it's, it's mm -hmm. personalities and the intent and all of these different things that go into why people feel the way that they do. That's, that's fine. Okay. That's its own conversation. And people will talk about that. And I understand uh, how that looks and how that plays. But to me, as someone who has been following closely more than I should NIL Penn state athletics, right? Like all of those different factors to me, it, it is, the public airing and the public coming to light of, Hey, regardless of, of the intent behind it, there is a model for Penn state athletics and Penn state's NIL with success with honor that, that runs counter to what is being championed by a, a lot of people, right? Like, and, and the models that you're seeing in a lot of other places in terms of, the prioritization or not of football and men's basketball. Um, that hasn't happened at Penn State. It's been intentional at Penn State. It's been intentional with success with honor to, to uh, you know, really lay it out there as a, um, you know, uh, a, a wide swath of uh, the ability to, to donate to different programs and to, to all 31 to programs is always the, but yeah, all 31 programs. It matters. Right? It's, it's leaving Penn State behind. Um, so Stephen here in the chat says that interview with great, was great. I agree. Uh, uh, Nate did a great job on that. So once again, go check that out. And as always, thanks to Stephen for donating to the channel. If you want to get a comment or a question on easiest way for me to see them is it, this is how they look in the chat for me with big green box. I can see it and we'll make sure we get your questions, your comments on air. Um, so 
all that stuff, there's going to be more coming out about that. There's no, there's no question. Brandon Short uh, said on our, uh, you know, airwaves, this is something that he has been reticent to talk about, but um, is willing to talk about now. So uh, there's going to be more stuff coming up with that. But we'll put that aside for now. Fitz, this is something that I've kind of been following for a little bit. Training camp battles so far this year are a total snoozer. Like, we've got a quarterback competition, and everyone's just like, eh. There's, you know, last year we were talking about Mike Linebacker, Mike Linebacker, and maybe for uh, everyone on a national level, it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but for Penn State fans, that was a big deal. And this year, it's just kind of like everything's a big yawn. Am, am I correct about that? And and what's your view of of Penn State's training camp battles or spring camp battles as of this point now, three weeks into uh, the 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 spring season. Well, from a standpoint of running a business where we have people come to our site to read about position battles and things of the like, no, it's not a yawn. It's been fantastic. Great. Um, but other than that, uh, no, the, I think there's a lot going on, but it, it's it goes back to that general premise that like not as much happens in practice as you think it was. So like you're not looking at a, a line graph where like one guy's up and one guy's down. You know, it's not that sort of thing. It's a, it's all charting and kind of talked to this with this about uh, Stacy Collins last night when talking about the kickers. It's like it's it's a it's a marathon. I mean, you're not just going to go out one day and win the job. So I, I think that some of the battles we, we all believe Drew Aller's going to win the, the quarterback competition. Right. Right. I mean, that's kind of where we're at with with um, with that. But, you know, you keep hearing these great things about Bo and maybe you talk yourself into that. But the reality of the situation is that that kid is primed in position to win it and he's doing a really good job nate had some some good notes uh while i was gone uh to to uh, uh to take you inside that battle take you inside some some of the other position battles i think the the thing with with the position battles this spring is we're looking for more of a splash at receiver like right mm -hmm. now we can just separate tiers where you've got keandre lambert smith and trey wallace and then everybody else is in a is in a lower tier so it's not like you know Caden Saunders is jumping out and being the guy, you know, typically you see that in the spring when somebody uh, rises up and becomes that guy. I, I think Trey Wallace is actually that guy, but since mm -hmm. he's played before, people are kind of taking it as a, just a ho-hum. This is part of the original, the original plan. So I think that that's kind of where you're, you're figuring there. You should have a battle at safety um, with Tig Brown leaving because it's such an important thing, but all four of those safeties are, are really good like I'm, I'm not convinced that the backups will eventually be better than the starters there like and that's not really hyperbole that's like these guys are really good yeah. um so like you feel pretty safe and i think that's more of a general statement about the overall health of the roster in terms of the talent spread out and certain positions where you could fall off you know you, you really haven't so i think that it's more even across the board and that's what you're seeing and and on top of that i don't know if it's necessarily that somebody hasn't taken the bull by the horns or whatever but like there's some legitimate competition and like it's a situation where you've got a battle, but guys, everybody's going to play like those safety yeah. spots. All four of those guys are going to play middle linebacker. You know, Elson's not out there this spring, so it kind of changes some things, but you, you have a pretty good feel of where those linebackers are going to be whenever they get healthy, maybe defensive tackle. Like that's kind of, I think and that's more unknown than anything because there's yeah. only so much you can take away uh, from this spring. And some guys have been banged up. No, Kaziah Izzard. Um, the guys have been in and out. Beeman was in and out. So like, I think that's probably the most intriguing, but it's also defensive tackle. So how much do you take away from that? It's, it's right. not a problem until Michigan runs for 300 and some yards. So um, I, I think that that's probably when you say lack of intrigue, I think it's a healthier roster. It's a, it's a, you know, 
that sounds a little spinny, but it's a healthier roster that is contributing to more guys stepping up and more guys being in the mix. The the one guy I want to touch on that you mentioned quickly there is is Trey Wallace. This is something I talked about last week. I want to get your thoughts on that again because I don't take it for granted that he has stepped up. He was a guy that played last year. He flashed some good qualities, but I wouldn't say he was consistent either when it came to mm-hmm. um, making plays or, or being a part of the game plan. So is that a, is that a bigger news then, as you mentioned, it's kind of ho-hum for some fans that are expecting that, but having him and his skills be more consistent this spring, I think that's a big deal. Is it is that as big of a deal as I painted it there, or is it somewhere in the middle? Is, is my read on that right, that, you know, like, we keep hearing Trey Wallace's name, and it's like, yeah, he's supposed yep. to be there. That's that's fine. Okay, so that that's not just in my head. Um, I mean, he's the most dynamic athlete out of that group. Like, you've seen the jumping videos, the dunking videos, all that kind of stuff. So if you can pull that over and make him a complete wide receiver. And you're right. The consistency wasn't there last year. Um, everybody pointed to Keandre Lambert Smith's consistency, but Trey Wallace was kind of in the same boat. Um, and if he can harness that, that's a really, really good receiver right there, but we haven't seen it. We don't, we, we get limited glimpses into these things. So I think that that is a big deal in the sense that, you know, maybe you were expecting it, but still to hear it is, is pretty good. And it's not just coming from, you know, uh, everybody that's got a mic in their face and things like that. You hear that from uh, people that sources we talk about. I know Nate uh, touched on him in, in uh, his notes this week. So, I th- I mean, I think it's a really good development. It's, it's funny because receiver is kind of like in purgatory until Dante Cephas gets here. And you yeah. kind of are going to figure out what that entire room is about when he gets here. Um, so I, 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 maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just kind of the, the anticipation of Cephas getting here and thinking that you're going to put Trey Wallace back in that number three spot, uh, when, when he steps on campus. So I think that's probably it. I think probably people were expecting maybe Malik McLean to get some of those, uh, some of those, uh, the bona fides and things like that, that Wallace yeah. has gotten this spring. So, you know, maybe that, maybe that goes into it as well. Uh, I want to get two rapid fire observations from yesterday. Uh, Nate, we'll end with you. Excuse me. Oof, that was bad. Um, the uh, the thing that I took f- from James Franklin's press conference um, when asked about the quarterback battle said the same things over and over again that he said all spring. But one thing that did change is he mentioned Jackson Smollick again, and he always makes sure to throw that name in there. But he did say at the end, I think we have a chance to get him ready for West Virginia. Now, getting ready to be the third string quarterback is different than being <laughs> the backup like Drew Aller was last year um, in the situation where you had a freshman as the backup. Freshman is going to be your third string guy, but to to say have him ready, to me felt like that's ahead of ex- that that should be ahead of expectations for your third stringer that you feel that good about. Uh, maybe I'm a little off on that, but that sounded more positive than what we heard of. He's doing good things, kind of just the the boilerplate of we're not unhappy with him. Like he's done what he's supposed to, but have him have a chance to have him ready to me felt a little bit uh, like a turn. In, in a positive sense for him. Nate, uh, some of your observations, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up now, twenty nine ninety nine from now until the start of football season to get those premium content items. You can read that, but give me one or two things that stood out to you uh, from yesterday. If, if, if I can just um, addendum what you just said, I think that Taquan Roberson is still fresh, right? Like, I think that that experience is still fresh. And so, uh, get him ready for West Virginia means if in absolute case of emergency, he is needed, he can go in and it will not be five a disaster. starts in a row or, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. it was. I mean, 
God love them. Um, but certainly that did not turn out well uh, in that situation. Uh, things from yesterday. No, the, the offensive line is where I spent the, a good bit of my time. And I, I, it was the first real opportunity that I've seen. Um, you know, look, we're there for 15 minutes. Let's not make the biggest deal in the world out of this. But uh, to get a five wide, right, to like actually see left tackle, left guard, center, right, the whole way across with depth, um, it was illuminating, I think, to me in terms of how it looks deeper um, on the depth chart, right? Because one of the the things that, um, y- you know, we didn't touch on yet, but with that, uh, the question about, you know, uh, position battles, I, everyone was expecting, I think, to a certain extent, Drew Shelton and Caden Wallace to be, a big battle this spring. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was kind of primed given what Shelton had done last year to be a, a, a big thing. And uh, by all accounts, it hasn't been right. And it, and it hasn't been because uh, Shelton, as James Franken alluded to a couple of weeks ago at his press conference, uh, it's, it's been tougher. It's been tougher for him to flip from the left side to the right side. Uh, so I do think that there, there's some element of, there are position battles happening. Uh, JB Nelson and Landon Tangwall. That's a battle. That's that's mm-hmm. happening, right? It's just you're not going to necessarily have resolutions to these things, and not that you would expect them anyway. But I, I'm not sure that all of them that were expected uh, have created the outcomes that maybe people were necessarily hoping for, right? Because let's let's right. be honest about what the what the underlying sentiment is. There is. I think that fans are always attracted to the young new thing. Drew did a lot of good things last year. Yep. You've done a great job T Frank. I think of offering a valuation that says like, Hey, he's also a true freshman. And there were some warts there and there were some things that he needed to be better at that. Now you get him against a, a 50 year guy in Caden Wallace and like, okay, this is, this is uh, not as close of a battle as it may have appeared going into the spring. Fits anything to follow up there. No, I think the the right side left side is is notable. You know, James Franklin said it last week. We didn't really put too much, uh, take too much away from it. But yeah, in following up, yeah, Caden's having a good spring. But you would think Drew would be able to flip that over. It just hasn't happened. I mean, it's one of those things where you feel about you feel good about him on the left side, but maybe not so much on the right side. Uh, you had that little graphic up with a couple different position battles. Of course, safety. All those guys are going to play, dude. Everybody's talking about KJ Winston. Like it's ridiculous and i as as someone you know very early on that train i'm very happy to see that come to fruition because he i think yeah. he's a really really good football player storm duck and dixon again both those guys are going to play like mm-hmm. I'm, who's out there first does that matter who's out there last that's that's what matters dt defense tackle and wide receiver we also talked about earlier so i think it, it comes down to there's there's a lot of situations where there are position battles but penn state has been flexible in terms of being able to play all those guys, like you mentioned, Tang Wall and JB Nelson, it may not be one to one, it may be three to one, but JB Nelson will end up playing. We might see Venga out there, uh, Venga Yone out there. Um, so you've got these certain positions where you can work them in. Uh, tight end, I mean, we joked a couple of weeks ago about how much we pay attention we were paying to the third tight end battle. 
There's a reason for that. No Theo Johnson, no Tyler Warren. Now all of a sudden, Khalil Dinkins comes out and grabs that third uh, tight end position in front of some younger guys. So I think all that stuff is is of intrigue, and all that stuff is of interest, especially to our subscribers who watch those position battles a little bit lower on the depth chart. But uh, I think it's 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 more about spread out talent. It's more about uh, having just a, a more talented roster in general, and uh, I think they've done a really good job with that. And um, I do. I want to plug these again. Check out Nate's notes from earlier this week. There's a lot of stuff in there. Um, I like saying things like that. It makes him feel good. And, uh, you know, it's Masters Week, so we're just trying to make him feel good about himself all week. By the way, and I haven't said it yet because I was gone, the NIL stuff, this guy right here, just, I don't want to say upsetting the cart, but, like, not... I mean, making change happen. And because that's his job as a journalist to get in there and to figure out everything that's happened. And he's pissed off some people and it's been great. Like, and because <laughs> he's doing his job. So kudos to Nate on that. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons I look forward to look to working with him for a long, long time. And uh, it's been, it's been good stuff. So uh, Nate, I don't say it often, but uh, <laughs> thumbs up. It's been a, it's been about a three week run starting with uh, Mike or Shrewsbury all the way till uh, this Monday where he's just been on absolute fire. So again, check out all that stuff. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. If you want to read all those articles, by the way, click on his name in a bio. It'll take you to all of his articles. And if you haven't yet, or if you're a new subscriber, you can go back and you can read basically as a timeline, everything that happened uh, quickly. we got to get to something. And I don't mean quickly in terms of, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on it, but I do want to make sure we uh, get to this now because it is very important to support this show so that you can get this information, this context, and this nuance from our experts here at Blue White Illustrated live on YouTube. And that comes from Rogue Shop. That is the sponsor of today's BWI live show. And I'm going to get to this part first because I always forget to say this, and I don't know why. It's the most important thing. Promo code BWI for 10% off at rogueshop.com. You see it down here at the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Your promo code BWI lets them know that you're coming from T. Frank and from Nate and from uh, Fitz here on uh, the live show, and it gets you 10% off. Uh, rogueshop.com, a husband and wife outfit uh, of craft cannabis farmers specially, specializing in small batch sustainable plant medicine, a holistic type of business that wants to help you Live your best life, your best life, not not the hashtag living my best life on Instagram where you're throwing up fake photos of you on vacation, but actually day to day, moment to moment, living with less pain, anxiety and uh, less ailments from existence, essentially inflammation, um, all these things that affect you on a day to day basis that you might not even know you just feel low grade awful. Cannabis can help with all of those things. Uh, we talk a lot about the THC. I know that it helps me sleep at night. That's specifically what I take it for um, within the, the confines of how you're supposed to take it. And then, of course, CBD, scientifically proven to reduce inflammation throughout the body. So check out rogueshop.com if you want to try it out. Promo code BWI for 10% off. Thanks again to Rogue Shop for, uh, for sponsoring our live show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I want to get to a couple quick things here. More stuff from yesterday before we get into some of our segments later in the show. One of the things that James Franklin mentioned, and I know Fitz is especially a fan of, is the special teams conversation. And we shouldn't overlook that because all of those positions are up for grabs this year. And James Franklin mentioned this is going to be a bigger impact on on the uh, season than maybe we cover on a regular basis. So Fitz, uh, what were your impressions of what he had to say? And I don't know if you had a chance to talk to Stacey Collins, um, but what was the uh, what was the general consensus of how things are going this spring? Oh, I got all of Stacey Collins last night. It was fantastic. Uh, we talked snappers, we talked kickers, holders, kick returners. Oh man, just so much special teams talk. I was so excited. Anyway, uh, going back to the battles, uh, kicker and punter, of course, they brought in Riley Thompson and Alex Falcons this year. Older guys um, that uh, have an opportunity to compete with Sanders Tehadak, Alex Paquetta. I think taking away from what it's kind of parsing the words of what Collins said, I think the A ball from Paquetta and Sander are probably better. But the consistency has has gone to the older guys so far. Um, and that's what's going to be the thing that ends up separating that job. Um, now, has it been like all or nothing for the young guys? No, I think it's I think they're close enough for that. But that battle is going to go into August. Um, they were hoping to bring in that veteran presence that could especially a punter use a scholarship on Riley Thompson. He was a, a freshman All-American last year, even though he, I think he's 23 years old. Um, so you've got a, a guy that has done it before. Whereas Baquetta came in last year and, you know, the, the moment at, at least when they u- tried to use him was a little bit too big for him. So he's got to get over that and, and go with it. Like I said, tremendously talented legs, but at the college level, that's only part of it. So it's, it's, it's about the mental aspect of it. It's about the consistency aspect of it. Like I said, the A ball is there for those guys, but it's not happening as consistently as the older guys. I think they had hoped to maybe sew this one up by the end of spring, but that's not going to happen. That's going to go into the summer and then the preseason camp, which is fine. You know, competition is there. I think Gabe Nwoku has the, uh, the the place or the uh, the kickoff job um, pretty well locked down. Um, but that's a situation where he was, you know, he was okay last year, but not great. Pinnaker had to come back in and rescue that thing. So I think that that's something to look forward to. Um as he gets stronger, does he focus on that? I know he's, he, as Collins mentioned, Mitchell Grow, And then, of course, the one that everyone's waiting for, Tyler Duzanski has done a heck of a job at long snap. This is a guy that, uh, you know, we've been watching for a long time, was the heir apparent to Chris Stoll, and then Chris Stoll came back for another year. So uh, Duzanski's worked himself into that role. And everything, you know, Collins is, is going to be a coach who's going to say this is a, an open competition like every other position, but, you know, talked an awful lot about Tyler Duzanski. Uh, last night and he's uh, he's apparently done a pretty good job so that's your specialist rundown right there we talked to turners as well nick nick singleton uh still back there that's that's gonna be an interesting plot line when we get into the season because yeah. i mean that's a thin position like i i, I know how do you feel about that like your best players out there but you got two scholarship running backs and he mentioned nick singleton and katron allen back deep for kicks and you're kind of like i don't know about that man um but uh some other guys back there amari evans is a guy that he mentioned of course he's played uh receiver quarterback in the high school level just a speed guy back there daquan hardy was back there last year a little bit so they've got other guys that can do that 
Um, but it, I mean, it's so appealing to have Nick Singleton back there to do what he's done. Um, you know, just to break, break games open with big runs and big returns and things like that. So that'll be a very interesting, um, a subplot it depends if they get another running back you know can they go to the portal and get another running back and maybe you feel a little bit better about putting singleton back there's just so many storylines when we got uh we got the uh the special teams work with stacy collins i think that that's it's interesting that nick singleton specifically is entering that saquon barkley we need to get him as many touches as possible category and and kick return is one of them i think we might find ourselves in that conversation if Teams are loading eight in the box and daring the the first year starting quarterback to throw the football, and you're splitting reps between him and Katron Allen anyway. How many opportunities can you get him to break a big play? And and kick return is one of them, but the obvious balance is the injury situation. So that conversation clearly isn't going away. Um, Nate, I want to get uh, to you. Who did you talk to afterwards, and uh, what intrigued you about those conversations? Uh, yeah, just quickly, I spent a little bit of time with Dion Barnes and a little bit of time with Bo Perbula. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of funny seeing the uh, crush of people around uh, Drew, right? And then, you know, three or four of us stand, stand around Perbula. And look, I, I think that that's what's expected. He gets that. It's not, uh, it's not as though he doesn't understand where he fits in kind of the perception of that position, but he's having a great time. Like it's always interesting to me to see how people, um, how people embrace whatever's in front of them. And for Bo Perbula, it's like, I mean, it's house, not that it's house money, but it's why not <laughs> right. Go, go out and sling it. Like just, just be the guy that you are. Uh, he's finally able to like, he's not on the scout team. So he's not running scout looks, which I thought was uh, a, an interesting part of the conversation last night was how much of a benefit it was for him to face that first team defense running the scout offense last year, uh, which he, he said it was great. It was big and helped in his development, even though obviously they're running looks for opponents. They're not running Mike Yersich's offense in those situations. Um, but yeah, Deion Barnes was good. He, he talked about all of the relationships that he has with those guys, how he has fit into the position group, um, obviously as their leader and some of the people that he's relied on to, to kind of take that leap. He, he did mention, and I, and I thought that this was interesting. Uh, it's not as though he was, it's not as though he denied or didn't acknowledge that he skipped a step. Right, like in in the coaching ladder in the coaching tree, right. uh, of how you get to that position, like he he skipped a step, if not two or three, right, to to get his first position coaching job uh, at Penn State. But he's supremely confident and um, that he's qualified for the job, and that he's qualified for the job based on his work ethic, which I think is a, a huge factor. It's something that James Franklin takes so seriously: is what's your devotion, right? What's your devotion to what you're doing, and Dion, by all accounts, uh, has that. So, yeah, uh, very interesting. One observation from the defense is he was working with the defensive tackles while Torrance Brown has worked uh, been working with the defensive ends during positional drills for the the positional drills we get to see. So again, the very narrow keyhole we get to to see through. Um, both guys played defensive end. Torrance uh, Torrance Brown working with the DNs and Barnes working with the defensive tackles in practice. Don't know what that means, but I just want to throw it in there as a good transition. I spoke with Drew Aller in the crush of people around Drew. He's a very interesting 
thoughtful guy. Like, he's what you expect from a quarterback in terms of very mature beyond his years. Even pointing out to, you know, making a joke about how he's a 19-year-old kid and he's got to earn his leadership role while also still trying to be that leader. And, of course, we, we talk about that all the time with him. Uh, but something that I asked him that I thought was interesting in that is leadership is communication. One of the, the things I heard a couple years ago that has stuck with me is like effective leadership is letting know, let, letting people know what is expected of them and what their role is supposed to be. So he talked about um, the way he communicates with the offensive uh, staff, you know, not the, the, the players specifically of when you aren't in meetings, can you go over everything? And he mentioned you can't go over every single detail in a practice if you're a coach because of time limitations. So the players have to take, take it upon themselves to go in and get into some of those nitty-gritty details, get into what, um, you know, reviewing the, the practice and some of the things they want to get better at. And, you know, he talked about communication being one of the most important parts about playing quarterback and having everybody on the same page. So he gets it. You know, when we when we talk about Drew Aller and what Ryan Snyder has said about him, I think what Fitz has mentioned before about, like, he just gets the position. So that's a, a all of these things point to something very good for Penn State. But still, when it actually happens, as he pointed out, you've got to produce and you've got to be the guy um, – on Saturday as much as you are Monday through Friday. So those are the, the, the things that stuck out to me about his his uh, conversation with the media. Poised, introspective, smart, everything you want. Um, anything, uh, Fitz, you want to clean up or uh, move on from so we can get to the next thing? A couple things here in the chat. We got Justin. He says, loyal podcast listener, first time live on YouTube. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Justin. One other note I want to make, uh, going back to Nate's conversation with uh, Brandon Short. Some of the stuff we had to cut for time for YouTube. So if you didn't listen to the podcast, there's a couple more nuanced, detailed uh, conversations, pieces in the podcast. So if you want more from that conversation, check it out uh, wherever you get, you get your podcasts. Mike is back. He says, good morning, boys. His avatar is him golfing. So I know both Nate and Fitz enjoy that. Um, <laughs> and depends on the day. Yeah. Depends on, <laughs> it depends on the day. Okay, so I think that's all we got to get to. Don't forget, get your questions in for the mailbag coming up next. But right now, we are going to read between the lines. Uh, they have both gotten reps with runs. So today, we are going to start fits with you um, and right in your bag with recruiting. James Franklin talked about how... Uh, challenging it is we we talk about these recruiting lists and how you and ryan are on top of who's on campus who's visiting uh what important what names stand out from that group and james franklin talked about like there's a lot of people coming through while we're trying to run a practice i think you know we've been fortunate that the administration has been supportive you guys know i've talked about this in the past with the new rules they almost make it impossible to not have a big staff. You have to have the numbers. We're literally, you know, as you guys have seen, we're literally at these practices and we'll have anywhere between 80 and 120 prospects at practice. And some of them are guys that are, you know, rising seniors that, that we're trying to get to commit. Some are rising juniors that we've already offered. But then if you don't do a good job with those other 60 guys, there's going to be five or six guys in there that you're going to offer a scholarship and they're going to they're going to base, you know, their opinion on Penn State about how that experience is. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, 
So what do you what do you take from that in terms of the feedback you've heard from that other 60 that he talked about of the guys that trying to prioritize everybody? How how does the staff do at making all of that shine during practice? Remarkably well in the sense that you can't give everybody time, equal time. Well, you can't take everybody up to Franklin's office, have him meet with those. And I think that some people understand that and some people don't like the there's a lot of guys that come on campus that are just like, yeah, they didn't treat me as a priority. And I mean, that's kind of like the double edged sword to that. What he said about being a staff, uh, the size of the staff that has mattered. They have done uh, some investing on that and brought in a bunch of the assistant recruiting coordinators, the guys or the guys and girls, excuse me, that, uh, you know, show these show the uh, prospects around. It's has become its own wing of of lash, to be honest with you, under Andy Frank. And they, they've done a tremendous job of not only getting kids here, but making them feel like a priority, because, as you mentioned, you know, the top names like the we, we talk about the top names, by the way, check out our Friday show. It's become actually pretty successful on YouTube. The recruiting uh, previewing recruiting weekends got a couple more of those left. Um, but uh, they've done a really nice job of the 25s, the 26s, the guys, the underclassmen, making them feel uh, making them feel wanted because it's not so much the top guys as it is the kid who is on campus during the spring of his sophomore year and maybe looks like a prospect, maybe not, and all of a sudden blows up. You you would be very surprised how often we go back and look and say, oh, this kid this kid was here for the white. I just did that the other day with uh, Dylan Stewart's teammate that they just offered, uh, DeAndre Cook. He was here for the 2021 whiteout. Like, I had no idea before I went back and checked his, uh, his profile and on three. So there's a lot of that going around where you need to make people feel like they're special, make people feel they're wanted, even, even if it's not in the cards down the road. So it's more uh, hospitality and things like that, but they do, they do a really good job. Uh, the, the, the staff has expanded uh, the interns, the, just everybody has a role, like a lot of these things. And you see the, uh, the itineraries, everybody is pinpointed where they need to be, who they need to be with, who they need to be talking to, who they need to be picking up and taking to a different part and doing their campus tour. Just all this stuff is, is sort of, uh, just like whittled down to the minute here. And uh, they've done a nice job with it. They, I mean, it, it's impossible to make everybody feel uh, completely special, but at the same time, they do a really good job. Very few kids coming, come away from the visit saying, yeah, it was just a, just another visit, just, just an okay time. So, uh, you know, kudos to, to Andy and his staff for, for doing that because they've done a really nice job. I think the second part, which you, you cut out, that was very interesting yeah, uh, James was talking about the recruiting calendar and like they got back from the Rose Bowl. They had to host, I think it was the, the, tra the transfer weekend where they had to host a couple of guys that weekend. And then you get into January, dead period in February. So some guys get out on the road, but that's the reason they're losing coaches to the NFL. Not so much Penn State, um, but that's the reason that the college game is losing so many guys to the NFL is because this grind is always there. And, you know, it, it falls it falls down to um, the, the staffers, the, the recruiting coordinators and everything like that. But at the same time, it, it's a lot on college coaches. And I think that that's what we're seeing in that uh, a lot of guys are bolting in the NFL. It's a lot easier. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of grind, um, but it's a lot easier on family life and, and things like that. So I think that that's an interesting thing that, that he got into eventually is like, hey, we're losing these guys. we got to figure out a, a better way to keep them in college. Yeah, I, I think that it's a pressure cooker in the NFL. Not that college football isn't when you get to the high levels. Like, that's also uh, disingenuous to say. But at the same time, that's the difference is, like, the NFL, you might have more time, but it uh, you can be there for two years and then your staff gets fired, whereas in college football, it's a, it's a daily grind. Is this what's behind the push to get analysts more involved and not just have the staff but kind of expand the staff's responsibilities and, and kind of 
lighten the workload. Is that a is that something that's a part of that, or is that just kind of something that coaches want so they're pushing for it? That's part of a, probably a different conversation. This is more about like the travel and the the hosting recruits and things like that. The analysts can can talk to recruits. They can, um, you know, have the electronic communication. They can talk to them on campus. They just can't travel and, and see things like that. So it's another pile of what makes college coaching a little bit you know different than than pro coaching. So I think that push is separate, but there's there's some things that tie into it. So yeah, I would say yes, but also no in this situation. Let's. Uh, I'm sure Nate has something to say about recruiting, uh, but we'll save that for later. We're going to get to our next uh, comment here from James Franklin. And this is more just I'm interested in, in how you guys feel about these two players because we keep talking about uh, the linebackers, Tamia Robinson, Tony Rojas, and he was asked, James Franklin was asked again about them yesterday. Some revealing information about Tony as well that I found fascinating. Oh, kind of like what I was talking about with the quarterback with Jackson Smolik, them being here now. Um, I think it's been really valuable. Um, for Tamir, a huge part of it is just the confidence. I mean, I think we all forget he hasn't played football in a year. Um, I literally was at, you know, his first game of the year when he got hurt and didn't play again, you know, the rest of the year. And um, so him getting out here and playing, I think it's been really valuable for his confidence. Um, and then Rojas is, is, I think, gaining more and more confidence every single day. Um, he's put on 29 pounds since he's been here, um, and it's good weight. I don't know how that's necessarily possible, but he's put on 29 pounds. He's eating every time I go to the nutrition bar, he's sitting there eating. After practice, he's getting you know an extra pump in, um, and he's playing fast and carrying the weight really well. So there's a lot of excitement about, about those two guys. Is uh, I, I'm I'm wondering now is Tony Rojas this year's Drew Shelton name, a guy that maybe at first we didn't expect to to be a factor, but eventually might become one. I know it's not a perfect comparison, but uh, a guy that maybe is ahead of schedule from a physical standpoint that we didn't quite expect. Do you see a similarity there? Yeah, I mean there might be. I don't. Uh, I'm glad that you didn't say Abdul Carter, right? Like that's, oh, that's yeah, the guy oh, no. that you know, uh, because I, th I think that that's different. I mean, I, I think that there's a couple of things going on. One is, and I mean, Fitz, maybe I'm misremembering this, but like their numbers aren't great at linebacker this spring anyway. I mean, I think that they've got six healthy scholarship linebackers, which, you know, and 11, if, if all were healthy, they would have 11, including the walk-ons. Um, so there's, there's reps there, like there's just, there's an abundance of reps for these guys to get. And with that opportunity, they've been able to take advantage of it. Um, you know, certainly Rojas came in with accolades, right? I mean, it was Virginia mm -hmm. player of the year. Was he Virginia player of the year? doesn't matter. Uh, he was, he was obviously a, a guy who was very highly thought of uh, before he got to Penn state. It was just a matter of, could he do like, I don't think it was an accident that Franklin brought up the weight because that was a question, right? Is, is, can he look like this? Like mm -hmm. you, you need to, uh, to play that position at this level. And very quickly he's been able to make that transformation. So yeah, it, it changes things. And it, and it, and it also, uh, just to be honest, like, uh, Curtis Jacobs has talked about it. Uh, uh, you know, 
Kobe King, I think, has talked about it a little bit. Their position flexibility at linebacker has become something of a priority this spring. Mm-hmm. And it is opening avenues to them being able to have have a like for Manny Diaz, it gives him a better flexibility to really always have the guys that you want on the field all the time. Um, and so I, I think that that's going to be super interesting. It's just a matter of like, is, is Tony Rojas going to bump? Yeah. Uh, is he, is, is he going to bump anybody? Bump I don't like, I don't, I don't necessarily not necessarily not. I don't see him bumping any of the projected starters, right. Which would be Curtis right. Jacobs, uh, Kobe King and Abdul Carter. I don't see that happening, but will he play? Yeah. 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 What's his rep share? I think is a fair, a more fair way of wondering about that Sam linebacker position. Fitz, do you have any thoughts on on this, or, or do you want to take it in a different direction if you want? No, I, I agree with Nate. Um, he had to put on weight. He said, what, 29 pounds? Um, yeah. That's a heck of a freshman uh, weight addition there. Um, but uh, he looks looks great. I mean, looks mm-hmm. looks really good. Um, I talked to Stacy Collins about it last night. He says he's comfortable out there in space, which was a question that we had. You know, Essentially, he was a stand-up DN. In high school, he said his, his running back background is something that really helped him with uh, with seeing the field the way that he does. He's doing a good job. Um, you know, no no DeLuca in front of him, which uh, is, you know, certainly different than, than he'll see in the fall. Um, but, yeah, I think the path is there for him to play. And I'm just curious, is it is it a path? Because um, uh, Nate's right. Don't compare him to, to Abdul Carter because I think Carter had a little bit more um, juice at this time or whenever he was not on, on campus at this time last year, but like right away. Um, but I mean, he's, he's going to be tough to keep off the field more. He's going to play more, I think, than Cam Miller and KJ Winston, who was kind of the opposite of that spectrum was guys that burned their red shirts, but you know, just were basically special teams guys. So I think he's going to be right in the middle of those two getting actual linebacker reps. I think what's interesting here is you look at the linebacker numbers that Nate mentioned, but we've seen Carter playing Mike. We've seen him playing Will. We've seen uh, Jacobs at both outside spots. And I think he even told Nate he's playing some Mike as well. So just building in that positional flexibility where they go to that third down prowler package and you can put those guys at any spot. And, you know, before they were kind of set in their ways that they wanted to have their box linebackers on the field, uh, even if that was, you know, against conventional wisdom that you'd like to have your your field guy out there, your Sam um, out there in a little bit more of a coverage role. So I think that they're just building in that flexibility and that's what's going to end up helping them the most in this in the fall, whether it's Rojas, whether it's Jacobs, Carter, uh, King, whomever is out there. Um, I think you're you're giving yourself an opportunity to uh, diversify your defense, and as we saw last year, when Manny can do the most things with his personnel, they it's really fun to watch. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see that come about. And uh, Elson will be back, Deluca will be back. You know, those guys will will get better, um, or will heal up at least. Um, so we'll see what they do when they get back. I think it's going to be a very um, intriguing position where you might have a little bit worry now because of the numbers, but I think they'll be fine in the long run. Yeah, it makes it a nightmare, too, by the way, when you're trying to figure out what's going on on film. Uh, when suddenly now Curtis James is playing Mike and you're trying to make rules about who plays where and there are no rules because they're versatile. Uh, and by the way, it makes it harder for the offense, too. That is the point. Um, Tammy like Robinson. And, yeah, <laughs> it's not all about you. <laughs> oh, for sure. It is all about me. I don't know what you're talking about. Everything's about me. Uh, David uh, here in the chat says Tammy Robinson looks like an animal. Look forward to watching him hit people for the next four years. 
Um, my ob- one of my observations from practice yesterday was the learning curve for Tamir, and, and James Franklin talked about it there. He hasn't played football in a year, and before that, he was playing uh, outside linebacker and safety. He really only had a couple of snaps, a couple of games at Mike linebacker in high school. So all of this is really new. And um, what stands out is kind of what disrupts the flow sometimes for me of practice. You've, we've gotten used to how these position drills go, how uh, people go through them, and how the coaches react to it. Uh, last year, this, by the way, was the same thing with Abdul Carter, where they would have him do drills over again when he didn't do something correct. Tamir redid most of the drills that I was observing because he went through, he didn't do it quite right the first time. Diaz instructed him said, here's what you need to do, here's how you need to fix it, and then he went through and he fixed it. Um, But it is part of the conversation about him is that this is all pretty new to him. And I understand Rojas is in the same situation, but for Tamir, it seems to be a little bit more of a transition from what I've observed through so uh, spring so far. Do you think, and you, Fitz, you mentioned this, um, they're going to get healthy, some of those guys are going to come back. Can you envision a situation where Tamir has to burn that redshirt or he has to play at Mike a la uh, Cam Brown a couple years ago where he had to go into a Michigan game uh, and play at 190 pounds? Different with Tamir, but do you think they can uh, could get into that situation at Mike Linebacker from what you've seen if injury I, forces it? I don't necessarily see them getting there. I, I think the expectations are high for Tamir, but I think they're measured in terms of when he can make an impact. Uh, you know, James saying that he hasn't played in over a year. That stuff matters. Like seeing something through a face through a face mask for the first time in a year is something that 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 changes your outlook. So I don't I don't necessarily see him as like an automatic guy that's going to play. And also we've seen other guys play Mike. So you know you it, it might be one of those situations like we see on the offensive line where you might be the fourth tackle, but or you might be the backup right tackle, but somebody gets hurt, the third tackle is getting in for him. So I I could yeah. see a, a a situation where you're cycling through other guys before you get into Robinson. Um, a lot to learn there. Um, I, I think you said safety and outside line. He was like a safety D end hybrid is yeah. what he was uh, during high school. Um, so, you know, it was fun to watch him play, but he, there's still a lot to learn, especially in the middle there. So uh, I'll be curious to see where he's at come August. Uh, physically looks good. Uh, he's got to get faster. He's got to get uh, sharper um, with, with some of the stuff that he was working back from that knee injury. And that's, that's natural. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're saying anything that, that there's, there's nothing wrong there. Um, but he's got to get uh, he's got to get some of those finer points down. Um, if they find themselves in a situation where they're going, they need a third middle linebacker. If Elsden and, and King can't go or whatever, probably see Carter, maybe see Jacobs in there because he's uh, a little bit older. Uh, it's, yeah. That's tough to throw that to a true freshman to call the defense to be out there and, and be that guy. So um, excited to see Robinson um, with, with with measured expectations. I would say probably for the next couple of years, more so than the, the next couple of months. Last thing for the show today, Nate, we're going to come back to you right away because people want more information about NIL. We got a mailbag, and it's open. As I mentioned just a couple seconds ago, we're going to be starting with Nate here. Brian wants to know from uh, the Lions Den message forum. Uh, and before we get to that, I apologize. If you got a question here in the chat, drop it in. We'll be getting to your mailbag questions as we end the show. 
Okay, so Brian says, with all the NIL issues going on and people wanting to contribute, what is the best NIL collective for fans who want to go to football? Nate, do you have the information here? I know you're not trying to make recommendations, but the information about NIL is as important uh, at, even as the recommendation for somebody might be just to know how to properly do this. Because I don't think a lot of people understand it fully. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, so uh, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated and that's and that's part of the problem that Penn State needs to figure out. I mean that look, if I'm if I'm being uh if I'm being honest, it is a situation where the preferred collective of Penn State over the last 2 years, well, year has been success with honor. Uh there were some unhappy thoughts <laughs> about that. Uh, it, it just it was not uh, uh, it did not run the way that it needed to necessarily for football's needs. And so uh, obviously Mike Maudi and the Lions Legacy Club crew found saw a need there. They got involved last summer creating a, a football specific NIL. Uh, but it's like it's it's hard because uh, Success with Honor has contributed and has delivered more than two million dollars in uh, to, to Penn state's current football roster. Like that's the, the, the money is there. The money has been delivered from that, uh, from that collective. Carrie small is now in charge of that, uh, collective. It is one that they, I mean, they made a change, right? There, there's, there's a transparency to this of, Hey, they parted ways with Jason Belzer's group because they were dissatisfied with how things were going with how things, um, with how things went there. So, it's like, okay, uh, I'm not going to point anybody to either, personally. Right. Okay. It's, okay, uh, if you want to donate to a football-specific collective that is only focused on football, period, Lions Legacy Club is is that collective. It is the one collective that exists in that sphere. Uh, if you you are able to, the option is there. You have to go through some hoops to do it. But the option is there to donate specifically to football in, again, a subscription type format through Success with Honor. So e either of those will get the money to Penn State's athletes. But Penn State on the whole, I, I don't think I'm out of line in saying this, needs to figure it out. <laughs> right. Like yeah. it, it, whether that's Pat Kraft, whether that's, uh, you know, Doug Phyllis, the people that are helping to kind of play puppeteer here and, and get things aligned and in the right direction, they need to create some consistency in terms of a message. And right now it, it's not there. There, there is no message. And that's why you yeah. see people asking questions like this, because like <laughs> I'm, I'm done, I'm done 30 seconds, 30 seconds. And then I'm done. I promise. Okay. We are two years into this. We're coming up on two years into this. And this is the conversation. It's, yeah, it's it is it is the heart of the problem is that they're like this is rolling at other places. Uh and for Penn State, it's not because there's no consistency of message. There's no clear blueprint. And 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 so you have this confusion among fans. Like that's the biggest thing is fans are not as reticent to hesitate or, or to contribute as people think. 
they want to contribute. They just, they don't know how to. Yeah. And, to, and until there's a, a, a very obvious path forward of who and where that money should be entrusted to, you're going to have these issues. Uh, Ryan agrees with you, by the way. He says $2 million, and he says that he thinks Aller should get that alone. That number needs to be well north of $10 million per season, uh, which is something that you talked about with Brandon Short earlier this week of, you know, kind of the numbers elsewhere in college football with contemporaries and with, with like institutions that Penn State doesn't have at the moment. Coming back to you quickly, um, I, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what else are you thinking about with NIL that you might be writing about this week following this train of thought? Uh, I don't know. Did <laughs> <laughs> Did I put you on the spot? <laughs> is there is there a right answer? No, nah, look, I, basketball has its own stuff. Go. I, I mean, I can't promise that there's going to be anything concrete this week, but yeah, I'm following what basketball is doing. Basketball is in the process of forming its own uh, hoops specific collective. Clearly, there was disappointment there, um, and and I, I mean, like I said, it's this stuff is not resolved. Like it's I, it's 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 hard to write about because it's in the process of happening. Right. Uh, so yeah, until, until a clear direction is set and until they're able to kind of get their ducks in a row, which right now they're not, this is, this is yeah. What you have. So uh, Fitz, I'm coming to you with this, even though this one was based on uh, Nate's uh, writing earlier this week, it says in Nate's piece on Monday, this is from, uh, MRMK5110 in the lines and message forum. Um, there's no mention of Caden Saunders in the wide receiver section of Nate's article. Based on observations so far, is there anything you can gather about how his spring has been progressing? Fitz, do you have a, a read on everyone's favorite four-star receiver from last year that people are dying to hear about take a step forward? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, I spend my time on the defensive field. So based on observations, I have not even seen him at practice. Um, so, um, I'm a little bit off there. Um, no, he's, he's, he's been fine. Um, I don't think it's a situation. I think everybody was expecting him. And we talked about the, the Trey Wallace thing earlier where people are expecting someone to take a huge leap and Saunders has the pedigree. He's got the four-star background. He's got the speed, all that kind of stuff. So you kind of expect him to be the guy. He's been right there kind of with, with Liam Clifford in the slot. Um, and again, I think that's a situation that's a position where you've got two guys standing out at top um, in in Lambert Smith and, uh, and Wallace. And then there's a, there's a bit of a gap and they're waiting to see who can step up. I think we've heard more about Amari Evans um, than, than Saunders this spring. So I think that's, are you surprised uh, not to cut you off, but are you surprised Amari has been, you know, contributed last year. He, he played for most of the season. So is that a surprise and is there a concern anywhere in this conversation for you? Um, I mean, he was really good last spring, so I'm not not surprised. I'd like to see that come to fruition there before we get our, uh, you know, the, the, get get the card ahead of us. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I think that that's it, it's it's a good time for fast people like spring is a good time because you can outshine uh, some of those guys. I know those corners are really good. The safeties are really good. But, you know, speed is speed. Um, and I think he's just, you know, Caden Saunders is very fast. Omari Evans is, is, is a step faster. So there's, there's a difference there. And I think he's working on the outside a little bit more. Uh, whereas Saunders is on the inside splitting reps with Clifford. Um, it, it, it's, it's tough to say right now, especially with, without those tight ends. Cause I think we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel this year. I think we're going to see a lot of moving around Theo Johnson, moving around Tyler Warren, maybe getting Dinkins involved in there. So how much does the slot 
uh, come into play? How much does Cephas come into play? All these things are, are the conversations to have when you're talking about getting the young uh, slot guys uh, in, into the mix. But yeah, I think um, I, I, I don't know that anyone's been really disappointed. I think that's the thing. Like a lot of people have come to expect everyone getting mentioned in every batch of notes and that's kind of not <laughs> like how this works and uh nor should it because you know, then it means nothing right <laughs> well yeah exactly um so it's like yeah we didn't you didn't mention him well i mean it's not necessarily like he's bad i mean nate nate wrote those notes and it wasn't just everybody's been great here's some concerns and he wasn't in the concerns either so that's that's a good sign you know <laughs> so i think that's kind of where we're at with uh with tracking those guys there's so many wide receivers and again that's a position that does change from day to day, not necessarily the order that you're running them in, but you can go out, you can drop a few balls one day, you can go out, catch a few touchdowns the next, you know, this is something where you've got some fluctuation until you see a little bit more consistency from some of those younger guys. I think that's kind of where we're, where we're held up. Nate, uh, you have a follow up on that. Yeah, just, just, I, I think that part of the conversation is lost in that. Like there are plenty of good players on, on Penn State's roster, of which Caden Saunders is one. He he is a good player. I think that if you listen to James Franklin and how he contextualizes that receiver position, they are looking for a home run hitter. Like it, it is very obvious. Like when he talks about how the position is the one in the game, go that, 80, go 80, yeah. go 80, go 80. It's like it's the repetition is not an accident there. And so, like, there are like these receivers will have catches at the end of the season that that's fine. Uh, it is just a matter of what they're looking for from that position that has not existed or, or that you're not sure if it exists the way that you are sure that it exists uh, out of a Nick Singleton is can, can they, can they go deep, right? Like you got, you got this quarterback who can air it out. Uh, that's that. Those are the expectations there. You like you're on the precipice of a program as a program of, of having this ability to beat you in it with a single play all over the field. But you got to have that. You got to have that, that threat at the receiver position. And they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out whether that exists or not. And so that doesn't mean that Liam Clifford or Caden Saunders aren't going to bring it like that. They're not going to be productive this season. It simply means so far they haven't shown the ability to do that. Gotcha. Uh, fish boy says, hi, well, fish boy, I apologize, but uh, we're out of time. So if you just joined us, you can check this out all out on replay. One last note from me. Um, Happy birthday to my nephew, Carson, who watches the show. He is a teenager today, officially 13 years old. So happy birthday to Carson. Uh, thank you to you guys for coming on the show and giving us so much information. Thank you for an hour of your time, who I know we've got a lot of stuff going on. Beautiful weather outside. We've got golf to get to. We've got writing to get to. We've got all that stuff. Uh, so we're going to go get to it. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, $29.99 from now to the end of uh, the summer start of football season. Join us there. Join us on Friday for our recap of uh, the week and our preview of the recruiting weekend. All that coming up, plus more on Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube. We will talk to you later. Hey. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.